Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. When it comes to public perception, it's been a rough couple of years for DTE, the public utility that provides electricity in Metro Detroit. So what's being done about that in Lansing? The reason legislators are speaking up is because they have to, because their constituents are on their backs. So it all rolls downhill, but rest assured, it's going to be a lot of talk. There is an even bigger question here. Should DTE be able to use dollars to influence politicians who control the company's fate? This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. DTE's most recent scrape with residents was this past winter when a storm left over half a million homes in the cold and dark for days. The last two summers have been tough too, though each time the utility blamed overgrowth of trees on prolonged power outages or climate change. So it does seem fair when the public cries out asking for accountability. While DTE is a private entity, it is still regulated by the state of Michigan. These are uh, private companies. They are for-profit. They have a board of directors. They have shareholders. But they can't do anything without the say-so of the Michigan Public Service Commission, which is a three-person board, those three people being assigned by the governor. And I believe all three that are on the board right now have been uh, there because of Governor Whitmer. I don't think there's any Snyder holdovers there. DT or or consumers wants to uh, change rates for whatever reason. They have to lay that out to the Michigan Public Service Commission. As far as them being monopolies, kind of, they're 90% monopolies, and that was the result of a 2008 law passed by uh, the Michigan legislature and signed by then-Governor Granholm. No uh, competitor can be more than 10%, so they're 90% monopolies. That right there is the voice of Dr. Chris Kobus. He is not only a professor, he's the founding director of the Clean Energy Research Center at Oakland University. Now, back to accountability. Why has there been a perceived lack of it in Lansing? Maybe it has something to do with Craig Mauger's reporting in the Detroit News. That reporting shows that DTE has spent over $30 million in the last decade to influence politicians on both sides of the aisle. That kind of thing does not sit well with people like Scott Holliday, the political director of Detroit Action. In our current political economy, the dollar and access to the dollar almost equates to voice, right? And so they spend tons of money politically lobbying politicians. They also spend a ton of money in dark money propping up politicians and policies that they want to see passed. And then I think the third leg would be they spend a ton of money in advertising, making themselves look like their community partners, when in fact they continue to go after policies that raise rates on Detroit. They you know, went up all rates, I think, 9% last year, and now they want to go up another 19%. It's out of line. DTE has increased the rates of customers eight times since 2010. Dr. Ken Coleman is a political science professor at the University of Michigan. He says private companies are allowed to lobby, monopoly or not. 
I wonder if because the utilities are allowed this quasi 90%, whatever you want to call it, monopoly, if that should change the way that they're able to operate when it comes to things like lobbying, because they're already not playing by the same set of rules. And so I wonder if that specific notion about the utilities changes or should change the way they lobby. If they were anybody else, it'd be one thing, but we know they're not. Yeah, this is tricky. I mean, under Michigan law, there are very few restrictions on lobbying per se. The issue for DTE is DTE's interests can get represented through a variety of means. Their employees can certainly organize. Their shareholders can certainly organize. The company itself is absolutely permitted to lobby. I mean, DTE is a publicly traded company. Any restrictions on lobbying that have any breadth at all are going to be immediately struck down. Remember, Dr. Coleman, our political scientist, said that DTE is treated just like any other private company. That is a point of disagreement for Scott, the community activist. We treat DTE like we treat Ford, for example, because Ford's not a utility. It's not a legally created monopoly. I wonder if you see that differently. The experts didn't, and I understand why, but to me, there's a disconnect there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You cannot treat a public utility. You cannot create what is, in fact, a regulated and quotations monopoly. You know, the same way you would another actor in the private sector. There's no competition, and therefore there's no check on DTE. We have to be the check. We've talked about the rash of large power outages in the metro area over the last couple of years. Is it helping drive conversations about public regulation when it comes to utilities? People have always complained about utilities. It's just one of those things we do. But now the complaints about DT are a lot more pointed and they're a lot more specific. And I'm wondering if that's because Mm -hmm. of the problems we've had. And I'm not suggesting that you welcome these problems, but I wonder if you think now people are paying closer attention because the last couple of years have been a disaster. Last year, they requested a rate increase once again. I happened to be at the um, Michigan Public Service Commission meeting, and there was an enormous community response. And, you know, they're upset because they only get 30 six dollars back or something and people are losing their livelihoods you know like groceries go bad people have uh medical medical supplies that need power you know oxygen and so you know it affects people in a real way and when they see when when they can feel that um you know like i think it you know emotion leads to action when i looked at craig mauger's reporting in today's detroit news there was no political differentiation DTE and its political arms have given money to just about everybody. The governor, she appoints the Public Service Commission board, right? She's pocketed $770,000 from DTE over the last decade. What do you say? Clearly, DTE has their ear and they have their pocket. What do you say? No matter the politician, it is a problem on both sides of the coin. Our elected leaders in an ideal democracy would prioritize ordinary constituents who are suffering at the hands of corporate actors, and they should be working on solutions. I think that this type of action should be reined in, and there are tools there to do it. I also think that the party in power right now should look at things to limit DPE's spending power in elections. Like, it does not make sense to let a public utility have this much power in our region.
There have been all kinds of public meetings in the last few months where state legislators claim big changes are coming for the public utility. But according to Dr. Kobus from Oakland U, it's not. The reason legislators are speaking up is because they have to, because their constituents are on their back. So it all rolls downhill. But rest assured, it's going to be a lot of talk. They have to. They have to go out on the airwaves and, and make their speeches, put a few comments out there. Critical, but the question is, is anything going to get done on the back end? And I, I don't hear any talk of anything changing. It seems the money from lobbying is actually a symptom and not the disease. Dr. Coleman from U of M says the disease is a lack of transparency when it comes to lobbying and political fundraising. The issue is not what they should be allowed to do. The issue is what kinds of transparency we should require for lobbying, political donations. And for a long time, Michigan has had ways to go to improve on those dimensions and probably still has quite a bit of ways to go. Certainly, there are other states with a lot more transparency. Michigan should be a leader in <laughs> transparency of its lobbying and its campaign contributions, but we've been, we've been a lagger. It always seems tongue-in-cheek when we have Sunshine Week here in Michigan, right? I mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> two, it was two weeks ago, I think, wasn't it? I mean, senators and representatives, they'll say things, they'll make big proposals, and then nothing happens. Yeah, it's hard. There's an ongoing struggle by press organizations, by organizations that really monitor government activity to sustained effort to convince either the legislature or, or perhaps through a constitutional amendment to require more transparency. This all seems pretty bleak, at least if you're a fan of transparency. So what does the future hold? Where do we go from here? And it kind of sounds like the answer is nowhere. We're here. This is it? Well, I, I, I don't think nowhere. I mean, we can change rules and laws and regulations in the state of Michigan to require more transparency in the relationship between lobbying and the government and between campaign contributions, contributors in the government and legislators and governors who are running for office. We could require more transparency, and we should. That's good for the citizens of the state of Michigan. It's good for people who want to know what their government's doing and they want to know who's being paid to try to influence the government, who exactly those people are, and how much money legislators are able to stash away and spend, what are they required to spend. Michigan just could be much more transparent on all this and should be. Will we see change in dark money and political lobbying here in Michigan? One of two things need to happen. Either politicians need to reject big money influences in favor of their constituents, or voters must hold those lawmakers accountable that refuse to reject big money. Today's big thanks go to Dr. Chris Kobus, Dr. Ken Coleman, and Scott Holliday. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you want the Daily J delivered right to you? All you have to do is subscribe using the Odyssey app or get it wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Zach Clark, and this is the Daily J. Thanks for listening.